Success, is it really a secret? I don't think so. Join me as I interview guests from different cultures and backgrounds who have overcome incredible challenges to create the life they live today. Thousand likes, celebrity status, lots of money or big cars, these are things that come and go and do not define true success. So what is it? And most importantly, how do we create it? If you are a child, teen, or adult trying to understand how to achieve this word, then you are not alone and you won't want to miss a single episode of The Secret to Success Isn't So Secret. This is Christy Maggio, and the key is right here. It's not a great secret, so don't just listen. Learn and take action. Hello, hello again. Today's episode is from a man who grew up with dyslexia, barely made it through high school, didn't go to college, and had a little trouble with substance abuse early on. However, his great accomplishments are known around the world. He is Greg Reed, a world-renowned speaker, filmmaker, and entrepreneur. He published, co-authored, and has been featured in more than 70 books and five motion pictures. He's the founder and CEO of The Secret Knock, which is an event and professional collaboration community for networking, also known as a mastermind group. If you remember on yesterday's episode, I was talking about surrounding yourself with the right people and getting counsel from those who have been there before. And this is one of the greatest elements of Greg's success. And he'll explain how it works, and how he used it in his growth and development to become better in things he knew nothing about. Listen carefully to how he overcame his struggles and obstacles so that you can see what you are capable of creating, no matter what your current challenges or setbacks are today or what they were in the past. He lays down a lot of gems, so get ready. Thank you so much for being here and taking your time um, to share with me and with uh, my audience all about Greg Reed. How are you today? I am always good and so good. Even I want to be me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Who better to be than than you, right? Uh, so, sure. You know, I, I, I got a quick little story of that. I, I met my hero. His name is Brian Tracy. He's a, mm-hmm. a best-selling author for sales and business. And I, I asked him one time, I go, Brian, what's it like being you? And he stopped in his tracks and turned around and says, that's a great question. He goes, but don't be me. He goes, just be the best you. When you were a kid, your mom said, just be you and people embrace you. Mm-hmm. And he goes, don't be Tony Robbins. Don't be Les Brown. Just be yourself. That little aha I went and I got rid of all my three-piece suits. I changed all my mannerisms, the PowerPoints, all the stuff I was trying to follow other people's mm-hmm. footsteps. And I started doing my own version and I embraced that opportunity and became a little bit of a success story. I rarely ever share this, but next week I'm gonna have 33 years sobriety. So I just don't drink, smoke, drugs. It's, it's, it's my choice. And what's interesting is I remember I checked myself in one of those rehab centers when I was like 24 years old and I just didn't want to use anymore. And I was going to leave because everyone kept telling me what to do. Put a bumper sticker on my car, go to a chant, get a spot. I go, I just mm-hmm. don't want to and, and, and I was going to leave and there was a sand volleyball court. It was a yuppie place. And he says, grab <laughs> a handful of sand. And this little input changed my life forever. At 24 years old, I'm so glad I learned it early. He said, grab a handful of sand. He says, when people give you their input or their, their advice, they're not trying to mess you up. It's just the only thing they know is they're giving you from the feedback from their experience. He mm-hmm. says, so rather than say, yeah, but, or argue it, 
just say thank you very much. And if it works for you, keep it. If not, let it slip through your fingers. But by not saying, yeah, but you don't have to argue it and put up negative energy. So someone says, hey, go to a you know meeting, say, oh, that makes sense. Thank you very much. That doesn't work for me. Hey, do this. That doesn't work for me. But as you close your hand, the things that do becomes your program. And mm -hmm. that's what will keep you lasting. Why well, did that in business? People say, this is what you should do. Thank you very much. This is how you raise your kid. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. And as that is, those are the aspects of everything I do in my personal, my business life based on that philosophy today. I think a lot of times people like to argue too much with my opinion on how to do things and your opinion on how to do things. Well, why can't they, they both work as long as they get you to the same end goal, right? I agree. And, and sometimes, you know, what your skill set might be a little bit easier than the next. It'd be like going to Michael Jordan and say, you know, how do you do that? And he goes, oh, you just run down the court, you jump in the air, you stick, around, <laughs> stick your tongue out and slam. Oh, what do you do? That's easy. Well, exactly. That, that, that is true. But for another person, it's not so much. A lot of times people go up and they go, how do you publish so many books? How do you do this thing? I go, oh, it's easy. You just run in the courts right. right? Because to me, mm -hmm. that's my normal, but it doesn't mean it's a normal for everybody else. You didn't graduate high school. Is that correct? Or you didn't go to college? Right. I barely graduated high school. I don't have no idea how <laughs> they passed me. I mean, because I got D's and F's and whatnot. I guess they just wanted me out of there. And I never went to college. Uh, and yet it was so funny when I was a, a, a kid, I was 17. My dad at that time says, hey, go to school, go to college, extend, you know, work on your education. I said, nah, I just want to get into sales and marketing. I like talking to people and doing mm -hmm. this education. And he says, boy, you're never going to make a living talking to people. <laughs> and I remember I said, the first time I got a six-figure income, I was still in my 20s, and I sent the W-2 home to my dad. I said, dear dad, remember when you said I'd never make money? And now it's the running joke because it's what I do for a living. Wow. But you were never – I mean, now you have, I don't know, over published over 100 books. Isn't that, isn't that correct? And yeah, I've been published in 112, I believe, titles, 45 languages. At Barnes & Noble, you'll always find at least uh, four or five titles at mm -hmm. the airports, at Kinko's. Uh, yeah, I, I got a couple honorary doctorates in literature and philosophy, and even a star took this out on the Walk of Fame in Vegas. Wow, yeah. Yeah. For, all for all for being an author for a guy who can't write and spell and I'm dyslexic. Go figure. Now, that's the interesting part that I want to, to get to. What was it like for you being dyslexic, having difficulties writing, going through high school? How, do, how did you feel about that? What kind of support did you get? And what was your experience like as a teenager? <laughs> all, all, I, all I remember is that I made up for another way. So like I became president of the drama club and captain of the wrestling team. So I diverted. It's like everybody else. It's redirection. Look over here. Right. And so <laughs> I didn't want anyone to look at my failing grade in math. So I was like, Hey, check this out over here. Right. And so th that, that's how I kind of got through life and, and you did your best. And I believe that you work your strengths and you hire your weaknesses. But I will say in this industry from age 20 to 40, I only had one job. I I sold advertising and then I ended up starting my own business and I sold it at, you know, 39, 40 years old. And then people asked me how I did it. And I started speaking at universities and, and sharing my success secrets. And some kids said, you should write a book. And I go, that's a great goal. I've never read a book. I go, that would be awesome. <laughs> so I went on that journey and I was turned down my first title for 268 publishers, agents, and printers in a row. Again, I can't spell. I can't write. I didn't know what I was doing. Right. And I never took it personally. 
you know, the, like the, the five agreements, I didn't take it personally. And so what happened was our four agreements. And so what happened is that I, I, I really focused on hiring ghostwriter finally, and they took my words and crafted it in a good way. And it went on to become a giant juggernaut. It was still my message, but it was written in a way people would want to read. So for example, I'd say, get off your ass. You know, boy, wants to make some money, go mow some lawns, take action and go buy a bike. And then they took it and said, it was a glorious Sunday afternoon. A young, bright-eyed lad caught the entrepreneur. Right. And they wrote it in a book. And then it was still my best. Sure. Yeah. Every highly successful person who in, in, in the world who has what they have today it is because, just even like you said, it was how many times you were turned down that ultimately, eventually, you persevered and, and got through that because without failure, you don't really know what success is. So what do you say to people that just ultimately want to give up? And do you think that, that because people give up so quickly that that's why they, many people don't ever actually achieve their, their goals? Okay, well, for people watching this, what she's saying, this is what I'm the world authority on. So this is, you're, you're opening up a, Pandora's box right now where we can go down a rabbit hole pretty good. So for example, my biggest bestseller is called three feet from gold. It's mm -hmm. about not giving up when you're that close to the, to the finish line. Mm -hmm. And there's first a dream and then there's a challenge and then comes victory. Unfortunately, most people quit in the challenging times. And the reason is for two, one, there's a difference between being committed and being interested. Being interested, for example, I'm going to open up a restaurant because it's a hot trend and I'm interested. As soon as things go awry, I'm going to probably fold up. Mm -hmm. But if I inherit the family restaurant that's been in for 15 generations, when things go awry, I'm going to find a way to stick it through because I'm committed. That's door number one. And then the other one is the biggest challenge that we do is that we listen to people's opinions uh, rather than counsel. And the difference is opinions usually based on ignorance, lack of knowledge, or inexperience, like family, friends, who've never done what you want. Counsel's based on wisdom, knowledge, mentorship, mm -hmm. people pave the way. If you had a family friend say, I'm going to write a best-selling book, they're going to try to protect me to keep me safe because they know I got a D in English and they've never written a best-selling book. But if I go to Mark Victor Hansen, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, he's going to say, here's what you need to know and give you counsel. If we would spend our activity only seeking counsel in our lives and ignoring people's opinion, that's the moment your life would change. Mm -hmm. And so what, what for those out there that are saying like, okay, so what's the difference between counsel and opinion? It's people that are getting the results that you want for yourself today. And I always add the word today because it's very important. So mm -hmm. I'll give an example. If I was going to open a new restaurant, well, my good buddy is Gene Landrum, who's founded Chuck E. Cheese, but he did that 40 years ago. I, I don't know if he would even know today, but I would go to the guys doing five guys or in and out or what the hot trend mm -hmm. is and ask them how to do it because they're getting the results we want. So when I wanted to become a best-selling author, I didn't go to Barnes and Noble and to the best written book section. I went to the best-selling section and I called every one of them and said, hey, what's the system? How's this work? And they taught me and here we are today. Mm -hmm. When I went to Africa to climb Kilimanjaro, I did not ask a dope smoking surfer here in California <laughs> to take me to the roof of Africa. I found the Sherpa that I climbed it 900 times. Wherever they put a blueprint, blueprint. I just follow successful actions. So we can have anything and everything we want in our life as long as we're surrounding ourselves with people that are getting the results we want. And does this tie into the idea of the mastermind? 100%. The mastermind is this single most important asset that we can do to separate ourselves from the 95% who dream 
of success to the 5% who actually achieve it. Uh, it's interesting. I, I founded something called the Mastermind Association, mm-hmm. where people could go online and actually become certified to learn how to run, host, and maintain their own mastermind groups. Because people go, well, I don't know how to join one. We'll start one. And I even do a private one you know, in San Diego myself uh, each and every year. And it's so funny because so many people have an excuse why not to go. I call it the bad case of the one size. Means I'm gonna take action once I get the big break, once I'm worthy, once I, and, and that day never comes. When the golden opportunity is given to me and my friends, we figure out a way to do it. Even if we don't know, we just find a way to jump at it. And mm-hmm. like right now, everyone watching this, uh, you go to mastermindgroup.com and you can check out my personal mastermind I'm at host this summer. Come to my house, come to my estate in San Diego, hang out with all my friends. No one will come. Trust me. No one's going to do it. But I invite you to because that is the difference between success and people setting themselves back. It's not the opportunities. It's taking action on them. Uh, But again, most people let their big butt stop them and not the one they're sitting on. They sit there and go, well, I'd go do that. But and it's that but that that holds them back. When Napoleon Hill wrote Think and Grow Rich. He had a meeting with the richest dude of the world. His name was Andrew Carnegie. Mm -hmm. And at a meeting, he says, work for me for free for 20 years, and I'll send you on a mission to meet my friends, and you'll write the first of our formula for success. And Napoleon Hill says, not only will I accept that, but I'll complete the task. Well, what Hill didn't know is that Carnegie started a stopwatch and gave him 60 seconds to make up his mind to take that journey. And when Napoleon Hill agreed, there's 31 seconds left meaning he made a life-changing decision in 29 seconds. But here's where it gets cool. Carnegie made that same offer to over 250 men before Napoleon Hill. He was the only person to say yes. Everyone else had a big butt or a bad case of the one size. So that's what I say. And you'll be shocked and amazed how few people will really show up and suit up. And that's the only thing I did different. And that's the only thing my friends do different than everybody else. You know, Bob Proctor uh, and I did a book together. It's called Think and Grow Rich, Thoughts Are Things. Mm -hmm. And we realized that thoughts were not things. It's only thoughts backed by your actions become realities. Mm -hmm. Because we sat down with neuroscientists that discovered we have 64,000 thoughts a day. Majority of them are called ants, automatic negative thoughts. And if everything was negative thoughts and we have 64,000, then everything would be drama and bad in our life. But that's not true. It's only the thoughts that we took action toward become our truth. How many times have we had a brilliant million dollar idea in the shower and by the time we brush our teeth, it's down the drain till 10 years later, we drive down and see a billboard with our idea. And it's only the thoughts in which we take our action become reality. So Mm -hmm. people say to me and they go, well, how do I know what you're thinking about? And I say, well, show me your truth and your surroundings and I can tell you what you're thinking. Mm -hmm. And here's the way, here's my great trick. If I want to get to the founder of Again, uh, Chick-fil-A restaurants. I wouldn't sit there and go, I want to pick your brain. I want to take you to lunch. I want to take you to dinner. How can I be of service? I can buy you coffee. They, they don't want to meet you that way. What I would do is say, hey, listen, I'm working on a new book project. It's called Three Feet from Gold. Mm-hmm. What I need is 12.5 minutes of your time. I'll cover all my own expenses to get there. From the moment I open the door till the time I leave will be 12 and a half minutes. I'll start a stopwatch. I'm going to ask you one question. Why you didn't quit Three Feet from Gold? Shut up. That's it. The chance of them doing that is so high because it's specific. It's in their own place. All I have to do is come down to the boardroom. It's 12 and a half minutes. That's it. 
That's it. That's my secret. And, and by, by keeping it that basic has opened up the doors to meet so many amazing human beings. So when I would meet with Chua Kathy, founder Chick-fil-A, I'd say, hey, well, usually, and by the way, when you're there in 12 and a half minutes and you respect that and say, hey, it's time for me to go. A hundred percent. They go, no, this is going great. Let me give you a tour around and you get a hangout. And okay. so that is what opens the door. And then when you're leaving, you say, hey, by the way, who else could I meet uh, maybe your friends, your Rolodex, that would be a good fit. And then mm-hmm. they get on the phone and open these doors. Yeah, that's how these things happen. But you got to take that first step. If someone today who was sitting there and was a prisoner in their own mind and was like, I really want to do something. I'm, I'm sick of my life the way it is. What advice would you give them to actually take a step and get to acting on it? Okay, I'm going to give counsel. And number one is shut the hell up because (laughs) you don't want to put yourself in that circumstance. If you don't like the relationship that you're in, suck it up, sucker fish. You're the one who put yourself there. Do something about it. Mm -hmm. Have the accountability and responsibility to do that. Um, And then door number two, this is a big one, CPC. I wish I would have learned this when I was you know, 20 years old, because I just learned it a couple years ago, completely transformed everything. And when I share it with the audience, I guarantee this is the nugget you wanted to write down anyway. So everyone, I'm giving you stolen here so you can grab something to write with. This is it. This is the big nugget. <laughs> Everybody get it. CPC is about accountability and responsibility for every single thing that happens. Stop blaming other people, number mm-hmm. one. And it works like this. CPC is an acronym, Clues, Patterns, Choices. And it works like this. I'm a single guy. So if I go out on a first date and the woman happens to be 20 minutes late, there's a little clue. It's a little red flag, but anything could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I go on the fifth, sixth and seventh date and every time she's 20 minutes late, well, that forms the P, a pattern. Now it's my C choice, whether I deal with it, yell at her, break up with her, but it's not her fault. She's just late. Stop trying to change people to fit in your own little paradigm box. But so many times we see someone with a bad reputation in business. They cheat your best friend. You do business thinking, it'll be different for me. Things go wrong and you're mad at the person. It's like seeing a rattlesnake rattle, bite your kid's sister. You go to pet it, get bit, and you're mad at the snake. Mm -hmm. Looking back in life, rarely are we angry at the relationships we enter that didn't go good or the business practices that didn't end well. We're usually angry that we stayed in too long because we saw the clue. We saw the pattern, but we made our choices too late. Start taking accountability and responsibility. We sit back and go, look, things aren't going right. You saw a clue. You saw a pattern. Start making better choices. Wow. So I hope everyone got all of the important information out of that interview and how many gems he was absolutely throwing out there at this moment. However, I'm going to go back so we can recap a little bit what the key takeaways and lessons were for this interview today because there were so many. Number one, embrace who you are. Don't try to be someone else because they will always be the best them and you will always be the best you. Number two, do what works for you. Everyone is going to give you advice because they want to help, but not all of it is going to work for who you are. So just be gracious, say thank you, and take away what does work for you. Number three, 
Sometimes you have to do what you want and not what your parents or other people think you should do. Let's remember that his dad wanted him to go to college and said he was never going to make a living talking to people. Yet that is the foundation of all of his success. Number four, learn from people who know more than you do in whatever it is you are trying to accomplish. Like he said, if you're going to open up a restaurant, ask someone who is accomplished in that sector today. And that is one of the key points there that he says today, not someone who opened a restaurant 40 years ago. While they bring value and knowledge, they aren't current in what the trends are in that area today. Number five, do what you can and hire people to do the things that you're not good at. Remember, he didn't do well academically, but he didn't let that hold him back. He worked his strengths and hired his weaknesses. And number six, finally, you are ultimately responsible for what you have or don't have in your life. Don't keep saying things will be better once I. Don't get the case of the one size because only once I usually doesn't ever come. Thoughts need action to become reality. So until next time, this is the Secret to Success Isn't So Secret podcast. If you like what you hear, make sure you share it and spread the word. And always remember, if you believe, you will achieve.